Remember when O.J. Simpson played the race car to get off that murder rap? The whole country was in shock, but it worked. It worked. You know, in a weird way, in a very weird way, because I think O.J. Simpson did it, to be sure, but he was fighting for his freedom. Would have been nice if he pleaded guilty, but that was an extreme time for him. So he played the race card. It was very unusual. It was shocking to everybody, but he did it. Now, the race card is being played <laughs> every time you turn around, and not for matters of life and death, but for little things, power, money, status, maybe a little bit of payback. Oh, yeah, it's everywhere all the time. In the courtroom, in Congress, on the ball field. Have you heard about this? So we've got on the left, that's uh, Tim Anderson, shortstop for the White Sox, and on the right, uh, Josh Donaldson, third base for the Yankees. These guys have had a feud going for, I don't know exactly how long. They may be friends. Here's what I have to point out. In 2019, Tim Anderson said the following. This is all going to make sense in a moment. He said this to Sports Illustrated. I kind of feel like today's Jackie Robinson. That's huge to say. But it's cool, man, because he changed the game. And I feel like I'm getting to a point to where I need to change the game. And he talked about making the game more fun, maybe a little bit more about the individual. Okay, you compare yourself to Jackie Robinson, that's kind of a big deal, right? Because Jackie Robinson, if you don't mind, was a legend, right? Jackie Robinson, he broke the color barrier. And to this day, people revere, of course, Jackie Robinson. I actually kind of like the New York Mets. If you go to City Field where they play, there is a, an entire museum dedicated to a guy who was never on the Mets, Jackie Robinson. All right, so this little statement led to, no kidding, an all-out brawl between the White Sox and the Yankees just the other day. I mean, it was pretty intense. All the benches cleared, and there was pushing and shoving. So here's what we think happened. Um, Tim Anderson suddenly got a chip on his shoulder about being called Jackie Robinson. He didn't like it. All of a sudden, being compared to one of the greatest baseball players of all time, a hero to so many, regardless of race, became pejorative, became racist. That's what Tim Anderson is saying in the locker room, at least. He just made a, you know, disrespectful comment. Uh, you know, basically, was, you know, trying to call me Jackie Robinson. Like, what's up, Jackie? Uh, you know, uh, I don't play like that. You know, I don't, I don't really play at all. Uh, you know, was it? I wasn't really, you know, bothering nobody today, but, uh, you know, he made a comment and, uh, you know, it was, it was disrespectful. And uh, I don't think it was called for. It was unnecessary. You called it disrespectful. Tony just said it was racist. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Same, same, same along, along that same line, yeah. I don't get it at all. How is it racist? How is it? Look, if I call myself Walter Cronkite in some interview and for the next 10 years people make fun of me calling me Walter Cronkite, I could take that. I'd actually deserve it. That's a pretty wild comparison to make. Listen to Josh Donaldson's explanation for all of this. All right, Josh Donaldson made the comment. He sh this apology, this should be accepted. Any reasonable society would make sense of this and say, okay, we get it now. 2019, he came out with interviews, said that he's a new Jackie Robinson of baseball. He's going to bring back fun for the game, right? And 2019, when I played for Atlanta, we actually joked about that on the game. Um, I don't know what's changed from, and I've said it to him 
Uh, in years past, not not in any manner than just joking around. For the fact that he called himself Jackie Robinson, you know. Um, so, you know, if something has changed uh, from that, like my meaning of that is not at any term uh, trying to be racist. Of course it's not. I understand. I think uh, Mr. Anderson understands. Everybody understands. Just listen to this, right? It makes sense. Listen to the manager of the White Sox. These guys, 85% of them stopped growing in high school. All right? These professional athletes, you can have them. Listen to what he says. You made a racist comment, Donaldson, and that's all I'm going to say. That's pretty strong. That's as strong as it gets. Strong as it gets, or maybe not anymore, because if everything is racist, then nothing is racist. Guess what? Major League Baseball gone woke. Of course they did. And they suspended Josh Donaldson just in. There is no dispute over what was said on the field, regardless of Mr. Donaldson's intent. The comment he directed toward Mr. Anderson was disrespectful and in poor judgment. You know, it was in poor judgment when Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game from Atlanta to Colorado because of the Georgia voting law. Do you remember that nonsense? You know, Donaldson, in explaining himself, mentioned he asked the question, I don't know what changed. I don't know what changed. Well, here's an idea. Society was turned upside down by Black Lives Matter summer, right? Right is wrong. Wrong is right. Everything is different. And criminality, of course, has been somehow legitimized. Smash and grab operations. This is uh, this is OK. Uh, this is, uh, well, payback for all the systemic racism. I mean, yeah, cops delegitimize. They're part of the problem. This is what happened. And too many people are taking advantage of this moment, whether it's a petty payback or a grab for what should be unreachable power. We have a big problem in America and a big problem here in New York City. Take a look at them. I'm a black man. That's the mayor. But my story has been interpreted by people that don't look like me. How many blacks are in the editorial boards? How many blacks are determined how these stories are being written? I say that to all your owners of your papers, your editorials, diversify your newsroom so I can look out and see people that look like me. This is about as racist as it gets, judging people, what they look like, not on what's the inside, what they're actually saying or writing. This mayor's been in office for, what, four months, and he's incompetent. He loves to party. He doesn't like to work. Here he is on a school night hanging out with Cara Delevingne at the club. Came into office, said he was a crime fighter. He doesn't know how. He never did. Take a look at our crime numbers. They are up and getting worse, worse, worse. Over the weekend, a man was shot on the subway. He was on his way to brunch with friends. It happened at 1130 in the morning and a deranged maniac came up and shot him dead. His family, family heartbroken, obviously, and they made a plea to the media, actually, to try to get Mr. Mayor to do his job. Do your job. I wish you guys would go back to Mayor Adams and tell him the city is not safe. My brother just became a statistic on the way to the city, on the way to Manhattan, where he was going to have brunch. But uh, this is not raining on Eric Adams's parade. No, as you heard, he's a black man and he doesn't like the way people are talking about him and he doesn't like the way people look different from him. And where is he going to take this mentality? To the White House.
to the White House. Eric Adams eyeing White House run in 2024. Eric thinks that he has a platform to run for national office for president in 2024. He has said that repeatedly. He thinks New York is a national platform, a person close to the mayor said. Well, he's incompetent and has done absolutely nothing as mayor. So uh, why not? It's been done before. He looks good. People like the way he sounds. I've seen this happening before. And so have you. Barack Obama guested the United States Senate in January of 2005. Two years later, by the way, he starts running for president and actually gets to the presidency four years later. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this guy, Eric Adams, knows all the tricks. Guess who he learned them from? Al Sharpton. Yeah, when Eric uh, was officially a New York City police officer, he was a professional agitator spending all of his time with Al Sharpton, learning all about racism and how to use race as a weapon for power and for money. Now, Eric Adams uh, doesn't hang out that much with Al Sharpton anymore, but you can't take the Al Sharpton out of Eric Adams. Listen to this. Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable in the police department when he just went up to black law enforcement. Crackers. Just called white people crackers. That's racist. But a lot of racists are winning. They're playing the race card, they're playing the victim card, and they're coming out ahead. Do you remember the Central Park Karen case? I hate the term Karen. It's, it's nasty and mean and it's unfair to white women. It's unfair to people named Karen. But this is what it was called. Do you remember? There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. So... The Birdman of Central Park was recording her. This is uh, Christian Cooper taking her picture. Her name was Amy Cooper. No relation. The Birdman just got his own TV show. No kidding. Yeah, on Nat Geo. Uh, Extraordinary Birder, hosted by lifelong New York City birder Christian Cooper. What's this all about? Well, uh, lifelong birder Christian Cooper takes us into the wild, wonderful, and unpredictable world of birds. All right. Well, this is, uh, I don't know, it's a payoff, it's a virtue signaling. Um, the whole world was fed a big lie, a lot of fake news about this story. They all bought it, too. A New York City woman has lost a high-level job in finance after a video of her racially charged confrontation with a black man went viral. We all saw Amy Cooper in Central Park weaponizing her whiteness to call a police officer on a black man who's just watching birds. Those cops could have showed up. His fate could have been fate could have been similar as Mr. Floyd. People need to understand there are consequences to your actions. And one of the consequences to this woman's action is she could have gotten this young man killed. She literally weaponized his race and weaponized her privilege. She knew that by calling the police, it would be to her advantage. So unfair, not only to this woman, because they haven't looked at all the evidence. I'll show you in a moment what really happened, but also to cops, as if cops are going to just show up, see the black man and, and start blasting. Right. That's how it works. Really? ABC television. That's how it works. Here's a little bit more from the interaction between Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. Please stop. Sir, I'm asking you to stop. 
Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He's recording me threatening myself and my dog. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I'm being threatened by a man in the Rambo. Please send the cops immediately. So she's pretty scared. Before we go canceling her, which is what they did, by the way, why was she so scared? Well, Christian Cooper on his Facebook page gives us a pretty big clue. So after this interaction, Christian Cooper goes home and he writes it up. This is before it became really famous. What happened? Christian Cooper actually helpfully gave us a, a transcript. Me, ma'am, dogs in the ramble have to be on the leash at all times. The sign is right there. The dog runs are closed, her. He needs his exercise. Next, me. All you have to do is take him to the other side of the drive, outside the ramble, and you can let him run off the leash all you want. Her, it's too dangerous. Okay, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. What's that? Me to the dog. Come here, puppy. Totally creepy. Her, he won't come to you. Me, we'll see about that. Next, I pull out the dog treats I carry for just such intransigence. I didn't even get a chance to toss any treats to the pooch before Karen scrambled, nasty term there, to grab the dog. Next, don't touch my dog. That's when I started video recording with my iPhone and when her inner Karen fully emerged and took a dark turn. In New York City and in many places, dogs are like children. And this stranger says, I'm going to do something to the dog and you will like it and lures the dog away with treats. That's threatening. That's weird. And he says he has these things for just such intransigence. Who made him the park ranger? Really? And what happened? She got arrested. She got arrested. And he gets a TV show. Now, I know she said, well, he's an African-American man. That makes it racist? Really? Does it? You could call 911. The first thing they want to know is the race of the person you're calling about. White, Asian, Hispanic, black. What kind of world are we living in? This is crazy stuff. For white women, to be sure, they've tried to neutralize you. They tried to shame you in this Karen moniker. They want to control the way you vote. Not just white women, though. White men, too. Very little status. In case you haven't realized, it has somehow become necessary for old white men to tell me how to speak. But it's not you. It's white men. They're a little fragile right now. We've recently become aware of a foe so dastardly and so numerous that you might have one in your own home. You probably guessed it by now. We're talking about old white men. It's very fashionable. Very fashionable to make fun of certain people because of their race. White people. I think it's despicable to make fun of anyone over things they can't control. Anyone. No matter what their race, orientation, gender, Although you know who's taken this battle up in the ultimate sign of hypocrisy, national hypocrisy, 
Joe Biden. Joe Biden is now, he's now lecturing the country on matters of race. And now, a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism, that we must confront and we will defeat. And we won't ignore what our intelligence agencies have determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today. White supremacy is terrorism. We're confronting the stains of what remains the deep stain in the soul of the nation. Hate and white supremacy. <laughs> Just coming from him, highlighting something that isn't a problem, but just bad-mouthing America everywhere he goes. This guy, of all people, by the way, you know him, so do I. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. So I'm not joking. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It really is kind of funny. And Joe Biden's been around long enough, and he worked with some outright white supremacists in the United States Senate and beyond. Take a look at him with Strom Thurmond. Now, I know people had cordial relations with Strom, and apparently Strom kind of amended for a lot of his previous sins and bigoted views, but that's pretty darn cozy with Strom Thurmond. Joe, by the way, is in Asia. And uh, the stakes are very, very high. I wonder, by the way, does President Xi run around China bad-mouthing the history of China? Now, I know it's a different culture, and they aren't honest about their history in many respects, but there's got to be something between what they do and what we do, bad-mouthing the country all the time. Oh, and also Joe Biden, being Joe Biden overseas, made a hideous mistake. You didn't want to get involved in the Ukraine conflict militarily for obvious reasons. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are. That's a commitment we made. So he said that so readily, but he's wrong. The policy of the United States is, quite frankly, to not be that understood about our intents. It's called strategic ambiguity, strategic ambiguity. You want to keep the world guessing. Everybody kind of knows what we're going to do, but you don't want to say it out loud because that could really get the other side mad. And Joe Biden should know this. After all, how much time did he spend with President Xi? I've spent more time with Xi Jinping, at least before we get out, than any world leader has. I've traveled 17,000 miles with him, the president of China. I probably spent more time with Xi Jinping, I'm told, than any world leader has because I, I had 24, 25 hours of private meetings with him when I was vice president, traveled 17,000 miles with him, and know him pretty well. I've spent more time with President Xi of China than any world leader has. So if he knows him so well, why would he say something as irresponsible as he did now? Why is he trying to appear tough because President Xi knows something about Joe Biden? I think that's quite possible. President Xi, we looked it up. He does not go around bragging how well he knows Joe Biden. He doesn't have to. I think everybody knows that President Xi has Joe's number and may know a lot more than we do about all the business that happened over there. Okay, stay with us. The race card, they're still playing it from the bottom of the deck. 
When we come back a little bit later in the show, we'll meet a brave female skateboard artist. She's so magnificent on the skateboard, but she was just deprived a victory that was rightly hers when she was beaten by a biological male. Be right back. Hi, Rob Carson here. If you love watching Newsmax, you're really going to love listening to our new podcast. It's called the Newsmax Daily. I host it, and I give you the best briefing of the big news of the day, top newsmaker interviews, and even, yes, a few laughs. I know it's hard to believe. So if you're uh, driving, walking, exercising, just about anywhere, you can connect with the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. Find our podcast online or go to iPhone, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, and more, and start listening today. All I, All can, I can say, say is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it. do So Elon Musk, we love the guy, right? Elon Musk is changing the world for the better, taking us to the moon, taking us to uh, space, and preserving free speech on the Internet. Uh, what's not to like? He's awesome. Oh, now they're finding out he's conservative, and the fake news hates that. So a guy who's been around for decades is suddenly the worst person in the world. He's racist. Oh, and he's sexist. Just ask him. Billionaire Elon Musk is denying allegations in a news report that he had sexually harassed a flight attendant on a private jet back in 2016. The website Insider published an allegation that he sexually harassed a SpaceX flight attendant in 2016. The unnamed accuser says Musk pr uh, propositioned her for sex and SpaceX paid a $250,000 settlement for her silence. Wow. Again, <laughs> we knew him for decades, and all of a sudden, now that he's, well, he tweeted this about Hillary Clinton. Remember Hillary Clinton pushing the Russia hoax? He says this, you are absolutely correct. That tweet is a Clinton campaign hoax, which their campaign lawyer is undergoing a criminal trial. Somebody was pushing, hey, Hillary put out so much disinformation about Trump in the 16 campaign. Why are those tweets, why don't they have a little warning? Why haven't they been removed? Elon Musk says that's right, so they come after him. Last week, he was a racist. Now he's a predator. Brigitte Gabriel, you know her. She's amazing, the conservative. She writes, Elon Musk has been a public figure for 25 years without a blemish on his record. And in 24 hours of being a Republican, he was accused of sexual harassment. The list goes on and on. Kavanaugh, Justice Thomas. Uh, tell you, anytime you get a little bit too... Uh, too big for your britches, they'll come after you. It's the trial of, I don't want to say the century, but it's a big deal trial. So this is Michael Sussman, the former Hillary Clinton campaign attorney. Um, it looks like he was a big mover in the Russia hoax. He's been accused of lying to the FBI. It looks pretty cut and dried. I think he's going to go down. Uh, he was getting information from a tech executive and representing the Hillary Clinton campaign and going to the FBI and saying... Hey, I'm here on my own. Oh, by the way, Robbie Mook apparently was leaking this bogus information to the media. The information being Donald Trump is working with the Russians and we see the computers are talking to uh, computers in Russia, the Trump Tower. It was all fake. It didn't make any sense. It was not true. Take a look at what he said to the FBI. Uh, I have information. I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Just want to help the bureau. Yeah, I'm just a good citizen. I just want to help the Bureau. And the FBI is like, come on in. When can you make it? Right away? No problem. 
Uh, looks like he's in big trouble. We'll see what happens. It's not getting nearly sufficient coverage, which brings me to Donald Trump, the target of the Russia hoax. You know, it's amazing. You may have heard him say, I am the least racist person you'll ever meet. And it's true. I've noticed a lot of candidates, particularly Republican candidates, they may not have much in the way of diversity in their background in terms of friends and associates until it's time for the campaign. It's not true for Donald Trump. For years, many years, he's had people, friends of, from all over the place. Here he is with Muhammad Ali and Rosa Parks receiving a civil rights award. Now, isn't that amazing, right? A guy who was with Rosa Parks, they're going to say, is a racist. Who else has he been with over the years? Before, Way before he was interested in politics, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton supporting their causes, and they supported him. Next, Michael Jackson, who, by the way, he still speaks fondly of. And the allegations against Michael Jackson, I believe, are fake. And... Well, is that Snoop Dogg? Yes, it is Snoop Dogg. And of course, Oprah Winfrey. But everywhere Donald Trump went, uh, do you condemn white supremacy? Do you condemn white nationalism? The question is insulting. It really is. As if we wouldn't, as if we don't. I don't like the question. And I actually don't like the way so many Republicans are handling it. Take a look. This happened yesterday on the Sunday shows. Do you personally think it's important for political leaders, particularly in your party, to condemn white nationalism? Well, clearly we ought to all condemn any hatred. We ought to con condemn any white supremacy. We, I mean, we, we've got to figure out how to come together. We ought to judge people by their character, not, the, you know, not their skin yeah. color. Uh, so we've got to figure out how to bring people together. So you would tell all Senate Republicans running for election that they need to, each and every one of them, condemn white nationalism? Well, I tell people what I believe. But you would advise them. You, you think of their state. But I can tell you, I'm clear. So the answer is yes. If they ask me, I would say, for, be clear. Be clear. All right. I love Rick Scott, but uh, we need something better than this. And he can do better. Yeah, white nationalism, sure, we condemn it. Hey, how about asking every Democrat, do they condemn Antifa? Do they condemn um, Black Lives Matter, a socialist organization? Put it right back on them. Of course, white supremacy is abhorrent. But why isn't the other side held to the same standard? Condemn Antifa, condemn that terrorism. They never are. And it's not right, of course. Hey, tomorrow is election day in Georgia. And uh, oh, Raffensperger, Raffensperger, he's running for re-election uh, secretary of state. Now, he's a man of integrity. Just ask him. Never trust a guy who says he's all about integrity on his own book. Integrity counts with a picture of his own face. I'm not impressed with him. I think he's naive. He was in way over his head. And he got outmaneuvered by Stacey Abrams, unless, however, he wanted to be outmaneuvered in his own book. He comes off like a bit of a lightweight, actually. Uh, he's a state uh, representative at some point, and he said, I looked around the House chamber and considered who might step up to replace Matt Ramsey as whip. And I thought, why not me? Well, <laughs> uh, leadership had other thoughts because he wasn't smart enough and he wasn't experienced enough. So what did he do? He failed upward. He looked for an opportunity and he ran for secretary of state. Uh, I hope, by the way, I'm not endorsing anybody, I don't do that, but I hope that Congressman Heiss, 
Um, I hope the wind is at his back. I like that guy, and he's running for uh, Secretary of State in Georgia. How about this? When the media come out and they say 2020, they've already made up their mind about it, right? They know. They know everything was fine, and anybody who raises questions about it is lying. Just ask them. We have found at least 18 states where candidates are running that that deny the legitimacy of the last election. 50-plus candidates endorsed some version of the big lie. All of those candidates, Republicans. It's a prerequisite to get that endorsement, to have endorsed some version of the big lie. That primary in Georgia on Tuesday might be the highest profile test of that big lie. They call it the big lie. Did they roll up their sleeves and go out to Pennsylvania, to Harrisburg, and actually find out what the hell happened with changing the rules and not changing the Constitution? They just come out. No one's decreed it as such. There was no official finding. They falsely say that 60 judges uh, tossed it out. They did not rule on the merits. They didn't. It's not a big lie, actually. It's a big question, and a lot of us want answers. Now, here's a bit of a lie on CNN. And if you look a certain way, you can say it, and you'll get all kinds of people to agree with you. Take a look. You cannot forget the racism, bigotry, white supremacy, xenophobia that still is prevalent every single day in society. And I'm thinking about Buffalo. And you trace that back to what is this new Republican Party. There's a direct correlation. People see that as well. So, yes, baby formula matters, but these other things matter as well. The car is not wrong. I mean, I actually agree there. That's a so-called Republican strategist um, turncoat uh, Alyssa somebody. Um, wow. Xenophobia, white supremacy, prevalent every day in America. They lie about America for political gain and power. Speaking of Buffalo, barely came up. Buffalo was a horrible event, right? Just over a week ago. I watch the Sunday shows. I, uh, I, I absorb a lot of media. No one's talking about it anymore. It's almost like it never happened. They got what they could from it, and they changed the narrative a little bit. And everybody's on to other things. What did Rush call it? They hit cause havoc, maybe do some damage, and just keep heading on down the road while other people are left to clean up the mess they made. Okay. That's the drive-by media. Okay. With news events and people they want to destroy, people they want to harm, people they want to criticize, they flood the zone, they all come in, they all say and do the same things, they fire with the same ammo, they create chaos wherever they go, and then there's a mess made, and they're down the road on the way to to the next spot where they're going to do the same thing, while whoever they shot at has to clean up the mess and try to repair the damage that's been made. We miss him, don't we? Rush Limbaugh, the drive-by media. And that's what they, they fly by, too. They fly by, too. All right, coming up. Young man here, allegedly, tried to kill a cop. He was let out of jail uh, basically two days after the, uh, the offense, the alleged offense. And now all charges have been dropped. A lot of people think he's guilty as hell. We'll be right back. Enrique Tarrio. Head of the Proud Boys, which is not a white supremacist group. So many lies. So many lies. Enrique Tarrio, white supremacist, happens to be Afro-Cuban, and he's still on in jail. He proposed putting up $1 million bond. He was arrested back in March. 
And he shouldn't be in jail at this point. He wasn't there on January 6th. He's not accused of violence, by the way. Maybe, just maybe, if he had thrown a Molotov cocktail at a police car here in New York City, he'd already be out of jail. We've got lawyers who have done this who are out of jail. Home confinement at worst is really amazing. We also have this uh, young rapper, Seablue. Um, the evidence against him overwhelming that he, well, tried to kill a cop. This uh, guy is 13, 15 years old. He loves money, loves flashing it around. And yeah, well, let's take a look at the charges. He was uh, accused of shooting a police officer in late January while on probation for a prior gun case. He was let go almost immediately after in early February. Now the gun and assault charges were dropped, not because they don't think he did it, but they think that the police officer had no business stopping him in the first place. The same police officer who was shot. We're glad to report, though, that he made it. And he, that police officer in the wheelchair and his brother and sister officers giving him a round of applause after he got out of the hospital. So much fake news, actually, and so many misconceptions about the police. That was a beautiful moment. We're glad that officer's going to be okay. We'll be right back with the skateboarder who won. She's a fantastic skateboarder, but her first place finish was robbed by a biological male. We'll be right back. You're looking at a very brave mother in Clark County, Nevada, speaking out about a horrendous assignment her 15-year-old daughter had to do in class. It was sexualized. It was downright perverted. She didn't like it. She went to the school board to talk about it. And I tell you what, I was in awe of her. This is really great stuff. Of course, the school board tried to shut her down. We're going to listen to uh, a portion of her testimony but right now we're going to meet her. You know, she's been receiving some heat online, so she just wants to use her last name. Kandra, welcome to the show, and thank you for what you did. You're joined by your friend Erin Phillips. Uh, she's from Power to Parent. Welcome to you both. Kandra, thank you. I know the backlash can be kind of intense after something like this. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. You bet. So... Maybe we'll just go right to the videotape, but before we do, tell us a little bit about what your daughter told you about what she had to do in class. She said that uh, she, the assignment was that each of the students in this particular class had to write a monologue. And then the, once they wrote it, the teacher um, reviewed the monologue with each kid and uh, made edits or whatever, and then they uh, had to uh, memorize it, uh, but, but she's memorized, they put it in a pile and each kid had to pick a monologue that wasn't theirs. So she had to memorize it and then perform it in front of the class. All right, so we actually, and I think because your mic gets cut off and they don't want you to say everything you're about to say, I wanna put the text of the assignment up on the screen if you don't mind. And it reads as uh, follows. It's not you, it's just looks down. I don't like your D word or any D in that case. They're talking about, you know, slang for penis, quite frankly. It made me realize with you, it was always like a pencil sharpener that keeps getting jammed. 
I've tried to look at it from all different perspectives, but the truth is I'm a blanking lesbian. I'll never love you or any man or any blanking D word. This is crazy stuff for, uh, she's 15, I'm sorry. Is that ninth grade? 10th. 10th, 10th. He's a 10th grader. All right, so you go in front of the Clark County Board and uh, let's take a look at that, please. Thank you. I'm going to read you an assignment given to my 15-year-old daughter at a local high school. This will be horrifying for me to read to you, but that will give you perspective on how she must have felt when her teacher required her to memorize this and to act it out in front of her entire class. I don't love you. It's not you. It's just, I don't like your dick or any dick in that case. I cheated, Joe. I'm sorry. And so, Kendra, at this point, there's some reaction from the audience. And then the, the board itself starts hassling you about time and the content of what you're saying, which seems totally ironic. Yeah, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was shocking. I, I apologize for the limited time we have. Did you get satisfied? You were able to make, you know, you called attention to this. Is the board taking corrective action? Not that I know of yet. Uh, I've heard from one trustee. Uh, Katie Williams, and she was she was very you know understanding and uh, wanted to make sure my family's okay. And then I've had another of the trustee, um, what's her name, uh, Danielle Ford, that she's online saying such bad stuff, and it's it's surprising to me. It's disappointing, and I don't know if anybody realizes that you know I did all this for my daughter. It's not political. It seems like everybody thought, you know, there's some agenda and there was only the agenda was taking care of my daughter. That was wrong. The, the assignment was filth. And I don't know if anybody realizes it was the pencil sharpener line that was worse for me. Well, Kendra, you're, you're a hero. You're an absolute hero for your daughter and an inspiration to people all over the country. I know that he can be intense. They're going to say awful things about you. But that, that comes with the territory. It would have been very easy for you to stay at home and nobody would have said anything. So to be continued. And I'm sorry, Aaron, we uh, will have you back very soon. Power to Parent, great organization. I know you were there also for moral support tonight. We appreciate you both. Best to your daughter. We'll be right back. Thank you. Taylor Silverman, she is an amazing skateboarder. She does very, very well in competitions, but she had a problem in Nebraska back in December. Look at this. I deserve to be in first place, be acknowledged for my win, and get paid. She says, I reached out to Red Bull and was ignored. I am sick of being bullied into Silas. Now, what is she upset over? Well, I totally get it. She's in second place. First place was transgender Lillian Gallagher. All right? Biologically a man. Taylor Silverman, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Greg. How are you? Terrific. Thanks for being here. Um, (laughs) How did you feel about Lillian Gallagher's participation to begin with? I think Lillian Gallagher is a great skateboarder, but I think that given that Lillian is a biological male and transgender woman, it wasn't fair for them to be competing in the division with the women. It makes such sense. Uh, You pointed this out to Red Bull and others, and there were several thousand dollars uh, that you didn't win that you could have won. What was their response? 
When I reached out to Red Bull, I didn't receive any response. I sent an email asking them to respond to schedule a time to speak to me. And I didn't receive anything until it became a public news story. Then they called and asked to talk to me. But by that time, my schedule was pretty filled up. So how do you feel? I mean, Leah Thomas, the skateboard, uh, the, uh, the swimmer in Pennsylvania, you know, there was a national conversation about it. This has been out there, but not nearly as much. But in my opinion, it's just as critical. Yeah, I think this is affecting a lot of different sports on all different levels. And there's a lot of women who are remaining silent because they're scared of facing backlash similar to what I faced on my Instagram post. Anything very quickly. I'm sorry we're short on time. Instagram, they gave you a hard time. Beyond that, has your skating been affected in any way? Are you losing opportunities? Um, no, I've just been skating as usual, living my life as usual. And I've received a lot more support than I have hate. But there's been a lot of hate, a lot of anti-Semitism thrown my way. Taylor Silverman, an inspiration again, and your bravery. I mean, this you're, you're taking some slings right now, but I think it's worth it. And you'll be remembered. You're on the right side of history. To be continued, Taylor Silverman. Uh it's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Thank you. Stinchfield is next.